Welcome to Siblinghood of Recovery. Hey, beautiful recovery people. I hope you had a fabulous week and I hope you are ready to listen to the value of changing chaos and bridging it towards consistency. And you know what I'm going to bring up? The 12-step program. I know. It's just so predictable. Now, seriously, there's just a fabulous ROI on joining a 12-step program. Please look for one in your area. If you cannot attend one in person, please uh, look for a 12-step program on Zoom. And so let me just dive right into this. One of the things that I've experienced with attending a 12-step program is getting a deeper understanding of how I can switch my life from one of chaos to consistency. And I'm going to dedicate this episode to my friend, Lisa. We went on a 3K yesterday, Saturday evening, and then I went on a 10K this morning for April showers. It's a fabulous charity here in Northeast Florida a 10K walk. I didn't run, have to say that. And uh, took my dog, my Duke. Uh, he's a boxer, terrier mix. And it's just hysterical. When I start out, you know, people are like, oh, how can somebody take a, a dog on a 10K? I mean, this dog set the pace the whole time. He literally pulled me the whole time. And we we ran a little bit towards the end. And uh, he was still, he's, he's still ready to go, right? But uh Let's get back to the subject at hand. Chaos. Okay. Chaos in a family. What does that mean? It's interesting. I know the chaos that I helped to create was one of just total anxiety, not having any kind of confidence in myself as a parent. And then this gets processed into a complete lack of structured discipline and which leads to, okay, okay, okay. And then yelling, you know. Actually, I'm going to save all my ineffective self-lashing for (laughs) my 12-step meeting because that's not what this is about. What it is about is going into any kind of situation, understanding that by the grace of God, you know, we are human and that we need to give ourselves some room to learn. That being said, the more research is done, and I've got a great article I want to read from, on the value of supportive parenting, the value that you can give to your children. And this came about as my friend and I were walking. We've had to process quite a bit the last couple of years. When you're trying to wrap your brain around anything convoluted, as sometimes life can bring us all. But what I know works for me, and I recommend this to anybody that um, listens, is getting out in nature. There's a phenomenal Huberman Labs uh, podcast that actually supports the scientific value at a neuroscience level of getting out and walking in nature to process all these emotions or these feelings that you may have. There's actually, and I'm not, (laughs) I don't know, I don't think I can even give it justice, but the release of these stimuli in your in your brain because you're out in nature will help you calm yourself and will help your thoughts be more organized. So that being said, we were out walking in nature 
and uh, processing just the last couple of years that, that we've shared. And she brought up a great point on consistency. And it occurred to me that that was the primary goal that I had in joining the 12-step program. And I didn't even realize it at the time. But my goal was to consistently attend meetings and learn as much as I could about the process of helping somebody through addiction. And what I love about the people in the treatment arena is they present what we're doing as as parents to support our children in the addiction recovery process, knowing full well that the work that we're doing for our children is going to be work on ourselves. And when that light bulb goes off, there's like this group of people like, oh my gosh, I've got to, I've got to work harder because I hadn't seen all this stuff until now. It's almost like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see the work that needs to be done, it's kind of revolutionary. So as a parent, I'm going through this 12-step program and I'm like, oh man, the damage that I've done, the intergenerational trauma is just massive because some of this stuff was passed down to me that was been that had been passed down to my parents. And you get to the point where you're just like, wow, what what else can we do? Well, the goal is to stop intergenerational trauma. And how do you do that? You have to look at consistently, you have to look at the value of communication, the value of self-regulation, and how providing a very calm as much as possible, because I know everybody gets stressed out there. I know the life that we have that we're challenged with today in 2022. I get it. It's stressful. But as consistently as possible is to reduce the chaos. So in looking up what is a chaotic family, I found a great Psychology Today article. And I like to go to Psychology Today because they do pull in research. I also like to read from their summaries because they're fairly easy to digest and I can post the link and you're off and running. So I'm not going to go into the chaotic family that I felt that I grew up in or I created uh, because there's many different levels, but instead I'll define the quote unquote optimal family, right? And this family is less dysfunctional and is mainly a better environment because it is due to a deep sense of security and trust in the emotional connection between family members. I mean, that one sentence right there, <laughs> I, I, I can think of countless stories of families that have a deep distrust of each other. And part of me is just like, you know, does this go back to what Jerry Springer put in front of us decades ago of chaos? And did some people just gravitate towards that? Or did he do us a favor and expose what is going on on the inside? One of the sentences in here is the optimal family experience is genuine pleasure in one another's company. We all know, and we've all had conversations with each other about the holiday season. Oh my gosh, it's coming up. It's going to be so stressful. You know, all this balancing of different emotions and personalities. You know, some of us do have really cool holiday gatherings. Some of us do have conflicts that we're able to resolve. You know, we can have disagreements where you can say, yeah, I, I don't, I don't agree with you on that one. Oh, okay. 
and and it's okay. And I think we should strive more towards that. And I know so many people that I work with in so many different areas that are striving towards that. And if they can't create it with a, a certain family member or in a certain situation, there's a great thing to develop, which is called a boundary. And that's okay. You know, and maybe the sense of boundaries helps us create an environment where we are like, you know, this isn't optimal. So we're going to have to condense the time, see each other for a couple days, and I'll catch it next year. Guess what? That's okay. And for those of us who are parents and we're dealing with some family challenges in front of our children, and, and maybe there are deep resentments that come from childhood, one of our goals as parents to teach our children is to express ourselves in a regulated manner. And we can say to our kids, well, mom and dad, or we just don't agree with aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so, and and that's okay because we're all different individuals and that's it. And if the kids ask some more questions, there's no reason for any of us to say, you know, uncle so-and-so is just a big fat jerk. Now he could be a jerk, but kids are intuitive. So they, they probably will say, mom, dad, well, why are you upset? So you take it as a good opportunity to demonstrate some self-regulation. You know, this is something that I'm upset over and I'm going to work hard to calm myself down. So I might need a couple of minutes, right? And look, I've, I've made mistakes. I'm a lot better now. And I have daily opportunities to express to my children challenges with other family members because of the situation that I'm in and and I'm getting better at it and I'm self-regulating more and I'm able to say, you know, as they get older, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brain around that and I'm going to be okay, you know, and this upsets me right now to talk about it. So I'm going to wait a little bit. And if we can stay on that thought process where we're not blaming anybody and we can consistently say, hey, this is a challenge for me, but I'm dealing with it. I'm getting better. What a great thing that we're offering our children. So I want to pull in some research like I always do, because it's fantastic to know that these basic principles of self-regulation that are promoted clearly in the work of 12 Steps is really being looked at by scientists, by educators. So this comes from the National Institute of Health. It is a free article, so I'll post the link. And the article is entitled Nature and Nurturing, Parenting in the Context of Child Temperament. It is published by Kara J. Kiff, Liliana J. Lengua, and Maureen Zalewski. So the abstract is about accounting for both bidirectional and interactive effects between parenting and child temperament and how the interaction can fine-tune theoretical models of the role of parenting and temperament in children's development of adjustment problems. So how I was interpreting this publication is that if the parent is regulated, does that help the child in their development become regulated as well? So within the body of the research text on on page three, I'll quote this paragraph, parental psychological control has been defined as parental control attempts that intrude into a child's psychological and emotional development by stifling his, her, 
independent thinking, and self-expression. Such control behaviors may be particularly apparent or detrimental in situations in which children are able or expected to function with some degree of autonomy, suggesting that the role of parental control may shift across development. This type of control has been operationalized in various ways, including low autonomy granting, intrusiveness, negative control, and over-control, end quote. The reason this hit me so hard in the papers, one of the first things that I had to go through with in the treatment of my son is NARM therapy. And also I was educated by the licensed therapy team on what self-efficacy is for a child, an adolescent. And they didn't directly come out and tell me I was a control freak, (laughs) but they did go over several aspects of how growing up in a controlled environment for a child is counter to the development of the child's self-efficacy. All right, I'm going to go back to the article and I'm going to read the counter parenting style, which is, and I quote, the effective quality of the parent-child relationship and effective is A-F-F-E-C-T-I-V has been typically described along the dimensions of warmth and acceptance versus negative effect and rejection. The warmth dimension reflects parents' positive affect, appreciation, affection, and involvement with their children. Researchers suggest that warm and supportive family environments foster well-being in children. Conversely, family environments laden with feelings of negativity, rejection, and diminished warmth foster maladjustment and the development of internalizing and externalizing problems. End quote. That paragraph is huge. I know in a situation where a marriage might be falling apart, there is most likely to be less situations where warmth and affection appreciation is demonstrated. If the two parents are tense, stressed out, and not in agreement, this will impact the child's environment. So where I was connecting the chaos and consistency is that one of my goals in leaving a situation where I felt that it was not healthy and not good for the kids is to create a home environment that was soft and warm. And, you know, I still got to do a lot of personal work to figure out, am I capable to do that with somebody else? And how do I have a healthy relationship? You know, that's that's my road and I'm on it. For the interim though, I know that what I'm doing today is I'm consistently showing up for my kids and I'm consistently showing up for myself. You know, there's days when I don't <laughs> want to do the work. I, I'm tired, I'm exhausted going to a meeting. It's It's a lot, you know, emotionally it is, it's a lot, but I've got to do it because every single time I get something out of it, every single meeting that I go to, I've learned something about myself, definitely worth it. So there's one more paragraph that I want to quote in here. Temperament is an important contributor to children's social and emotional development and adjustment problems. Negative emotionality and low effortful control predicts internalizing and externalizing problems. So basically what that means is if the kids are surrounded in an environment where there's a lot of negative emotions and there's low effort to control those negative emotions, they're going to either internalize or externalize the problems that are going on at home. I feel that this study is so powerful. I feel that this study basically supports everything that I know that I've experienced. 
I was blessed enough to be surrounded by some licensed therapists and an entire therapeutic team that was gentle enough to show me the way to see how I can become better, how I can become more consistent, how I can become calmer. And part of that, part of becoming that calmer person was taking care of my inner self, was developing boundaries, was getting to the point where You know, if I felt that I couldn't handle something, I had to simply say no, but I had to also process internally that it was okay to say, look, I can't handle what's happening right now and I need some time. I need some time to figure out what's going on inside me as I experience this and communicate in a really positive, effective manner of what I'm feeling so I can then create a a reaction that's healthy and then a solution. So as I consistently work on myself at an emotional and physical level, because I'm working out, I'm taking better care of myself than I have in a long time, probably if not ever, I am contributing to less and less chaos in my family unit and in my own environment. And I got to tell you, I love it. Not easy, but it's absolutely awesome. I'm going to leave you with that. And as always, check out my website, www.siblinghoodofrecovery.com. Lots of great free information on there and have a wonderful week. This is Angie Reno, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.